Well, welcome to the last week of our series that is called Disconnect. Uh, Next Sunday, we're starting a brand new series on Easter Sunday. It's going to be called Finish, okay? We're going to be talking about how Jesus ultimately was the great finisher of life. And then in that series, we're going to be looking at the book of Joshua, okay? Learning how to finish well in life. I think a lot of us, we start well, um, but we don't always know how to finish well. But God has some real keys in the word to help us understand how to finish well. So, uh, but today we're going to finish out our series, Disconnect. It's been great. Um, If you want to check it out, it's online. It's on our website. You can go to iTunes. Also, you can download the podcast. It's really, really good, okay? Really good, all right? Hey, um, in my hand is one of the most precious things on the planet Earth, okay? All right? Um, I adore Coke with everything inside of me, okay? How many of you agree with me that McDonald's Coke is just another level of Jesus? You know what I mean? And there's like, I mean, it's like the Holy Spirit's up here, but right underneath the Holy Spirit is, you know, McDonald's Coke, okay? I mean, it's just incredible. Now, please, 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 nobody, like, send me emails and, like, tweets and, you know, uh, text messages about how terrible Coke is. I understand, okay? You can put a penny in the Coke and it, like, dissolves, so I have no idea what it's doing in my body. I mean, it's, like, ravishing the insides of me, I'm sure, on a daily uh, daily basis, but um, I could probably be buried with a Coke can. I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's just that that good. I don't drink coffee. Coke is my coffee. You know, I'll go to like breakfast early in the morning sometimes and meet people, and they're like, "Would you like a cup of coffee?" And I'm like, "Coffee." Ooh. I'm like, "Where's the Coke?" And they're looking at me like, "You're gonna drink Coke at 7 a.m.? What's wrong with you, man?" You know. But I love me some Coke. Okay, especially on Sundays, okay? I don't eat breakfast on Sundays. I typically don't drink anything on Sundays. So by the time church is done and I've talked to everybody, like last Sunday we went out to eat and the guy came to get our order and he's like, "Uh, what can I get you to drink? I'm like, you can get me 40 Cokes right now. Just like line them up, you know what I mean? Like just keep them coming, you know what I mean? Because I think I drank five Cokes before our meal came last Sunday. I mean, I was just like downing Coke. It was really, really, really tasty, okay? Now, today we're talking about being thirsty, okay? How many of you have ever been thirsty in your life? Am I making you thirsty right now? Okay, yeah. You know, there's just something about when you're thirsty for something. Now, the reality is you can be thirsty for a drink, uh, but how many of you know you can be thirsty for some other things in life also, okay? You know, like uh, for me and uh, my family, uh, Benny, want to stand up or everybody real quick? Get up for Ben Workmeister and his, and his awesome Air Jordans this morning. Listen, we are Air Jordan family, uh, if you don't know, okay? We believe in the Air Jordans, okay? And um, I remember years ago, this is probably, I don't know, maybe four years ago, uh, there was a pair of Air Jordans, Air Jordan 11s, just like these Concord, okay, black and white with a little purple on them. Didn't get them when 96 when they came out because I was young and poor and dumb, okay? So I was like, I got to get these shoes. Have to get a pair of these shoes. Okay, this is how thirsty I was for these shoes, okay? It is, it is fe- uh, February. It is cold. It is raining. And I waited outside of a mall in the rain for nine hours in line to just the doors just to open to then run and literally fight people to get to the front of the line to get my pair of Air Jordans. I was thirsty for some Jordans, okay? All right. 
Now, I remember another time in my life I was pretty thirsty. I remember um, when me and my wife, we uh, first started dating, um, I had messed up a lot of relationships in the past. Let's just say that Pastor Jeff wasn't the best boy uh, back in the day when it came to dating. And so when I want to do this right, so I made a promise that I wasn't going to tell her that I loved her until I put a ring on her finger because I felt like love was a ultimate sign of commitment. And so for like, I don't know, how long did we date, Jess? Do you remember? <laughs> this is horrible. Two years. For about two years, we would end every conversation with, I like you. And she'd be like, no, I like you. I'd be like, no, I like you more. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's just that, like, back and forth, back and forth. But I was thirsty to do it right. And I wanted to do it right. And so it wasn't until we got engaged in Rockford, Illinois, in this loft with these cats around and, and flower petals and everything, I got down in one knee. And I told her that I loved her for the very first time. And so the reality is we can be thirsty in life. And in John chapter 4, verse 4, uh, Jesus encounters a woman. And this woman is thirsty, okay? She's physically thirsty, but her soul is also thirsty. She just doesn't know how thirsty her soul is. And I think that sometimes in life, we can be going through our lives and we can feel like we got things going and we got things together and we got things clicking and we're moving forward and our lives are moving on and my job's doing well and my kids are doing this and we're doing well and we don't even realize how thirsty our soul is. I don't know if you ever worked hard before, like outside, like grinding outside, like lawn mowing in the heat work, okay? You'll get in a few hours later, and you'll realize how thirsty your body is. Your body is becoming dehydrated. It needs something to replenish the thirst inside of you. And this woman comes to Jesus, and she doesn't know how thirsty she is. So let's, let's look at the word, okay? John chapter 4, if you don't have a Bible, uh, it'll be on the screen. If you got it on your phone or if you brought a Bible today, that's great. John chapter 4, verse 4 through 17, no, verse 18 says this. He had to go through Samaria on his way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village. Verse 6, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from a long walk, weary, okay? I love little moments like this where we see the humanity of Jesus. Man, just like me and you, okay? He's tired. He's worn out. So he decides he's going to sit down. It's about new time. Verse 7, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw some water, and Jesus said to her, please, Give me a drink. Now, we have to understand this is super profound, okay? Jesus is a Jew. She's a Samaritan woman. Jews and Samaritans, they didn't, you know, they, it was just black and white. We don't talk to each other. We don't hang out with each other. We don't spend time with each other. You do your thing. We do our thing. So the fact that Jesus, number one, a Jew, number two, a man, number three, a rabbi, is talking to the Samaritan woman is a huge deal. And he's asking her for a drink. In verse 8, she says this, okay? Uh, he was alone. Oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. Verse, verse 8. He was alone at the time because the disciples had gone to the village to get some food. Verse 9. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, are you a Jew and am I a Samaritan woman? Then why are you asking me for a drink? 
Verse 10, Jesus replies with this. If you only knew the gift that God has for you. I think sometimes when we walk in on Sunday, God's going, if you only knew what I have in store for your life. If you only knew what I had in store for your future. If you only knew what I had in store to satisfy your soul, because I can look into your soul and I know that your soul is yearning for something. It wants to be filled. So Jesus says, if you only knew the gift that God has for you, if you only knew who you were speaking to, then you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Verse 11, she says, but sir, you don't have a rope, and you don't have a bucket. She's not even getting it. Has that ever happened to you where, like, God's trying to do something in your life, and you're like, but God, it's not happening the way I thought it was. But God, it's not coming together the way I thought it was going to come together. But God, um, you know, we don't have the bucket. We don't have the rope. So how are we going to get the water? I mean, this is what she's saying to him. The, deep, the well is very deep. How are we going to get this living water? Verse 12. And besides, do you think that the water is greater than your ancestors Jacob who gave us this well? How can we offer better water than his sons and his animals enjoyed? Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I'm giving will never thirst again. Never thirst again. I want to be that. I want to feel that. I want to be in a place that I never thirst again because the God is filling my soul. Okay? Verse 15, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. I won't have to come to this well to get water. Again, she doesn't get it. Does that make sense? She's not connecting the dots. She's going, I don't want to come to this well anymore. I don't want, when I get thirsty, I don't want to have to make this journey. I don't want to have to go through this process. I want to be able to just be satisfied all the time. I don't want to have to come to this well. Okay, verse 16, Jesus replies to her and says, go get your husband, Jesus told her. Verse 17, I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus says, you're right. You have not a husband, but you have five husbands, and you're not even married to the one you're living with now. Certainly, you have spoken the truth, okay? So we're going to learn some things from this passage this morning, amen, okay? Number one is this. Okay, I don't know what that is in Jesus' name. Praise God. In Jesus' name, please make that go away, Father. Okay, point number one. Thirst makes you search, right? When you are thirsty, it will make you search, okay? When my body is thirsty, what do I do? I go looking for water. When I'm thirsty after service, I go look for a can of Coke. You know what I mean? Thirst will make you go search for things in life, okay? But the reality is this. If Jesus doesn't fill you, if Jesus doesn't satisfy your soul, you'll keep going from situation to situation, from job to job, from relationship to relationship, trying to get your soul satisfied. Because when you're thirsty, you're going to search, okay? But how many you know this, okay? That Coke does not satisfy your thirst, okay? Does it? 
I mean, you can drink as much Coke, you can drink as much Mountain Dew, you can drink as much Diet Coke. How many Diet Coke fans do we have in the house today? Yeah, some of you are like, I don't want anybody to see me because I'm, I'm an addict, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Coke won't satisfy your thirst. Verse 14, Jesus says this, but those who drink the water I'm giving them will never thirst again. It becomes fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. What was happening last night for me? What was happening in my life? When I got home last night and I got into the presence of God, the presence of God started bubbling up in my soul. Amen? The presence of God started to come alive in my soul because God's filled me. So when the moments that I'm dry and the moments that I'm thirsty and the moments that my soul is yearning and I look to Jesus, guess what happens? It bubbles up and it comes out. Amen? Because he's filled my soul with him. Point number three is this. Like a dog that always comes back to its vomit, the enemy will train you to continually come back to the things that you think will satisfy your soul, okay? All right? You'll think that there's certain things in life that are gonna satisfy my soul. I see this all the time on social media, okay? How many social media fans do we have? Come on, raise your hand, come on, be proud, my hands, my hands up real high, okay? Tweeters, tweeters, you got tweeters? Instagram, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, yeah, we got a little bit of everything in the house today, okay? Look, social media honestly has become this place where for our soul, we're looking to gain approval. We're looking because we're really thirsty for approval. We somehow haven't figured out how to get that approval from the Father. See, there's an approval that comes from the Father, Jesus Christ, that he puts his stamp of approval on you, and he goes, well done. This is my son. This is my daughter. I love them. I got their back. I'm for them. I'm not against them. I love you. It's a big deal, Okay. But social media, we're thirsty. We're looking for approval. We're looking for understanding. We're looking for people, hey, come agree with me, right? Yeah, it's like, hey, here's my idea. Here's my thoughts. Here's my opinions. So please, somebody come agree with me. Somebody have my back. Somebody stand with me on this. Please come get behind my vision. Come get behind the way I think in life. I need my soul to be satisfied. And so we go out on social media and we throw out our opinions and we throw out our, our, our life and we throw out our thoughts and we go, come on, somebody back me up. Somebody like me. Somebody please like this picture. Somebody please give me a great comment. Somebody please tell me how impressed they are with this wonderful picture that I took and this awesome, you know, filter that I put on it. Somebody please come and back me up. See, the enemy trains us, just like this woman. The Bible said she didn't have one husband, but she had five. She had five different men because her soul was searching. And the enemy had trained her to keep coming back to the thing that she thought would satisfy her soul. She thought that the men were going to satisfy her soul. 
She thought that the men were going to complete her. She thought that her life was going to be set and be full once she found the right man the right situation, and it doesn't matter if it's men or if it's a job or if it's a relationship in life. We all think the same way, right? Once I get here, I'll be satisfied. Once I get here, I'll be good. Once I get to this place, everything is okay, right? And it's not the truth. The enemy just keeps bringing us back to the same place. But the reality is this, point number five is this, we got to keep coming back to the well of Jesus, okay? You got to keep coming back to the well of Jesus. I think a lot of times we try to play this game with the Lord where we're like, well, I come to the well on Sunday, right? I worship hard on Sunday. I come to the well to get fed on Sunday. But the reality is you got to get the well on Tuesday, and you got to get the well on Thursday. And how many of you know you need the well on Friday because you got to finish the week strong and somehow you got to make it through the workday on Friday to get to the weekend, right? Listen, God never intended for us to not keep coming back to the well. The well is him. He's the living water. And I have to come daily to find living water, to find peace, to find grace, to find strength that only comes from heaven that satisfies my soul completely. You know, one of the most frustrating things in life, I'm just going to share one of my most frustrating things, is uh, buying gasoline. Anybody else uh, with me on buying gasoline? You know, like, you fill up the car, and it's like three days later, and you're like, what happened? You know what I mean? It's almost like it's like a magician, like, got into your car and did this, like, you know, spell on your car, and all of a sudden all the gas is gone. And the reality is it just, it just goes. And it's so frustrating. Because every time I go to the gas pump and I put in my card, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe i got to buy more gas. And I put it in and I pull it out and I fill up my tank. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know what? In three days, I'm going to be right back at the same gas pump putting more gas into my car. But what's the truth? The truth is if I don't put gas into my car, guess what? The car's going to stop. And if the car stops, the car can't go anywhere. Anybody ever ran out of gas before? It is like the most horrifying feeling in the world. Like your car like locks up. You know what I mean? You're like, the steering wheel doesn't work anymore. And you're like, Lord, take me now. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just horrible. And then you got to call 14 people and they're like, you ran out of what? You know, and you got to get a gas can. You got to go get gas. Listen. God never intended for us to run out of gas spiritually. God intended for us to be overcomers. That's what the Word of God says, that he's called us to be overcomers in life, not get buyers in life, okay? We're not called to just get by. We're called to overcome from going from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from life to life, victory, victory, amen? But the only way that happens is coming back to the well. We have to come back to the well. Point number six, I'm almost there. Jesus and the cross represent grace, okay? Jesus met this woman in the middle of her dysfunction. And I love that Jesus wasn't embarrassed to be identified with this woman, okay? She's a Samaritan, She's living an adulterous life. 
She's in the middle of a lot of dysfunction. And Jesus goes, you know what? I'm okay with this. I'm okay with identifying myself with you. I'm okay with meeting you right where you're at, right in the midst of your dysfunction, right where you're at. The reality is this. I have dysfunction. I don't know about you. You may be all holier than me, okay? But I have dysfunction, okay? I have a lot of moments where I lose my grace. I have a lot of moments that I lose my patience. I have a lot of moments where I just go, you know, can I just get to the place where I don't have the dysfunction anymore? Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to like age out of dysfunction? Like, you know, like you hit like, you hit like 45 or you hit 40 or something and you just like age out of dysfunction. You're like, oh, I got it. Awesome, thank God. I wanna say this today. I don't know who needs this. God understands you, and he understands your dysfunction. And if you'll let him, he'll meet you right there where it's at. You know what I love about the story is that the woman could have ran. The woman could have walked away. But she allowed Jesus to be right there in the middle of what she was going on, what was happening in her life. She didn't run from Jesus. The presence of God was drawing her in to Jesus. Last point, point number eight is this. You can't find freedom until you let go of the dysfunction and grab onto the cross of Jesus. See, I'm really annoyed. Can I just be honest for a second? Okay. I'm really annoyed with this thought in the Christian community of America right now that, you know what, Jesus loves you and you can have grace and you can have life, and you can just stay in your dysfunction because Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, his grace abounds. But he didn't pay a price on the cross so that we would stay in the junk, stay in the mud, stay in the pit, stay in that place of dysfunction. He died on the cross so that we could grab onto the cross with him. And the Bible says that we could nail our dysfunction. We could nail that junk to the cross with him. That's what he paid the price for. So that we could find life in him. So he would satisfy our soul in such a way that your soul wouldn't be thirsty anymore. Doesn't that sound nice? always put it this way. I love cupcakes, too. I'm sorry I'm talking a lot about food today, okay? I love cupcakes, okay? But I would never go to Gigi's Cupcakes and go, hey, um, can I just please get some icing? You know? 
can I just get a, like a big pile of icing? You know what I mean? I would go and I would say, no, I want a full cupcake, correct? Right? Or I wouldn't go to Gigi's and go, hey, can I just get the cake? Okay, now my son Michael, he's a crazy man, okay, all right? He doesn't like icing, and I don't know where that came from, and we're going to get him healed of this, all right, all right? But literally, like on his birthday, on his birthday, he'll be like, Dad, can we have cake with no icing? And I'll be like, are you my son? I don't know if you're really my son, you know? What makes a great cupcake? Great cake and icing. What makes a great life? Jesus being the source, the cake, okay? And then life is the icing. Does that make sense? But a lot of times we're just looking for icing. We're just searching for icing. And icing, guess what? isn't good just eating icing. Like, I'll be honest, I love icing, but I never sit down with a bag of icing and go, oh my gosh, this bag of icing, give me a big spoon, okay? You know what I mean? Just doesn't work that way. I need both. In life, you have to have Jesus satisfying your soul, satisfying the dysfunction, satisfying the depths of who you are. And then guess what? God goes, hey, I'm a really good God. Okay, look at your neighbor and say, he's a really good God. He's a really good God. He's a good God, okay? And then he goes, hey, here's a bunch of icing. I want you blessed. I want you favored. I want you living the life that I called you to live. I want you to live victorious. So here's a bunch of icing. Enjoy the icing. But we get it mixed up. We get it mixed up. And we need our soul satisfied. We have this disconnect with life because we think the right job or the right trip or the right relationship. Listen, all of our 20s are young people. Anybody young in here, okay? Okay? Listen to me, okay? Don't get so thirsty for somebody that you just take whoever comes your way and says, hey, I love you. I want to be with you. Don't do it. How old are you? Fifteen. If I told you, promised you, guarantee, pinky swore, okay, that's a big deal, all right? If I promised you by the age of 24 that you would have a husband, and it was God's husband, the one that he picked out for you because he has somebody exactly for you. He knows your future. He knows exactly who you need. And if I told you that today, And I could promise you, I could guarantee it, like $100 in the bank, like just guarantee it, okay? Would you be thirsty for all them chicken heads that are running after you? No. You'd be like, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't got time for you. You best be stepping. Can I get an amen, somebody? Right? Jesus. He knows you. 
knows you inside and out. He loves you. Big time. Big time. If you knew that, you would go, no, I don't need to date all these chicken heads out here. I'm good. I know what God has in store for me. Right? But how about all the rest of us? Let's stop running around chasing chicken heads. Amen? Let's chase Jesus. Let's chase the presence of God. Let's chase what satisfies our soul. Let's chase what really really matters. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today? Come on. We're going to sing that chorus again. I love worshiping God. I love worshiping Him. Can I just say this real quick though? Don't tap out in these worship moments. Sometimes we can be right next to the presence of God. We can be right next to Jesus and not even know it because we go, uh, I don't like singing. Nobody wants to hear my voice. But you know who loves to hear your voice? Jesus. He loves hearing your voice. He loves hearing your worship. See, there's something about when we worship that we're surrendering. It's just, that's why I throw up my hands. I remember one time Michael, he was real young. He was like, Dad, why do we raise our hands in church? I was like, that's a good question, son. I said, I raise my hands because I'm surrendering to Jesus. I'm saying, Jesus, I want everything that you want for my life. I'm surrendered to that. And when you come to a place that your soul surrendered, you go, I want Jesus. You know what he does? It's like taking a huge pitcher of water and just pouring it out. He goes, enjoy. Enjoy my peace. Enjoy my love. Enjoy my grace. Enjoy my strength. My strength, my strength, my strength, my strength, my strength. The Lord just keeps saying my strength over you. My strength is enough, my strength. I don't know anything about you. I don't know what you're going through, but the Lord is declaring today that he is enough. His strength is enough. If you'll hold on to him, he will take you through the fire. He will take you through the situation. His strength is enough, he declares today. If you'll grab on to him, in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Come on, let's raise our hands. Come on, let's worship Jesus. Come on. Come on, let something come out of your soul today. Let him know how much you need him. Father, we praise you.